<clears throat> All right, so this week we are talking about creation and the fall. So we're in the beginning. Genesis 1.1. Does everybody know what Genesis 1.1 says? Absolutely. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then jump to chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We're going to skip the whole creation story and then read, pick up. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it he rested from all his work of creation. So, in literally six days, God created everything. Everything. The heavens, the earth, the universe, all of creation, people, angels, animals, everything. God created it all. And this is foundational to what we believe. We believe in one God, not a bunch of opposing gods that created everything by accident. You know, you look at some of the other ancient um, religious stories of how the earth and people came into existence, and you'll see that gods were having wars, and, and, and one god was killed, and the blood of that god hit the ground and caused people to grow up. I mean, it's just like, like people were accidents. Like, you know, like, uh, you know those, are, those are just reminders of days gone by. You know, but what we see is we see an intentional God who creates everything. He's not waging war with other supreme powers. He's the only supreme power. And he is intentional about how he creates everything. And when he creates everything, every single day, he says, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good, and he saw that it was good. He created a good creation, and the pinnacle of his creation was people. But God created everything that exists, everything. So everything owes its existence to God, including you and me. We owe our very existence to God. We owe every breath we breathe, every thought we think, and every word we say to God himself. He gave us life. He brought us into existence. He formed our soul and formed our bodies and joined them together. So let me ask you, are you thankful that you exist. Have you ever taken the time to think about it? Am I thankful that I actually exist? Because I've said it many times. God didn't have to create your soul and place it in your body. He could have just as easily created somebody else's soul and placed it in your body. The fact that you exist, you, your soul, you, the fact that you exist is something to be thankful for, to be thankful to God for. That he created you. He brought you into existence. He gave you life. Are you thankful for your spouse? Do you show it? Are you thankful for your children? Do you show them? Are you thankful for um, friends? For a roof over your head? For food? For clothing, for shelter? Do you show that you're thankful for these things? Are you thankful that God made you? Do you show Him? It's something we all have to ask ourselves. Do we show it? 
God is the creator of all things, but his pinnacle of creation in those first six days was humanity. Genesis 1, 26-31 says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. He created, God created a creature in his own image that was given the task of bearing that image to the rest of his creation. And after God created humanity, he looked at his creation, and this time, instead of saying that it was good, he said that it was very good indeed. Every other day he said it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. But after he made human, after he made man in his own image, a creature that was in his own image, he said, it, now, day six, it is very good indeed. They were to care for the garden like he would. They were to care for the animals like he would. This is part of what it means to be made in his image. They were to care for each other like he would. They were the image bearers of God and they were given the amazing blessing of living like God to a degree that no other animal can. Have you thought about that? We are in the image of God like no other animal is. If you want to get down to it, let me ask you this. Are you thankful that God made you a human and not a possum? I know all God's creatures are good, but some you wonder about. But really, are you thankful? I mean, do you just take it for granted like I do? Are you thankful that God made me a human? I mean, the Bible says that God formed Adam out of the ground, right? And it says that he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils and made him a living being, right? Right? You know, it says the same thing about the the other land animals he made. He made them and breathed the breath of life into them too. So uh, you can debate on whether or not animals have souls or not. I mean, that's kind of what the breath of life is, is your soul. You can debate on that. And honestly, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like they do. It's confusing. I'd I'd really have to study it, which I have not. So please don't hold me accountable to what I just said. But, But at first glance, that's the impression you get at least. He breathed the breath of life into them. He breathed that same breath of life into us. Are you thankful that God created your human soul that's made in his image, that's able to relate to him and know good and right and wrong, to be able to make decisions, have free will, to relate to God? Are you glad he made you a human in his image instead of a possum?
Have you ever woken up in bed in the morning, looked up to God before you got out of bed and said to God, Father, I just want to thank you so much that you did not make me a possum. But that instead you made me in your own image. A creature that can think and create and imagine and dream about the future and love and care for and steward your creation. Genesis 1 tell, gives us the overall creation account, the first chapter. Then you get to Genesis 2, it goes back and it highlights the details of that account of creation, creating Adam and Eve. Genesis 2, verses 20 through 24 says this, The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the sky, and to every wild animal. But for the man no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man, and he slept. God took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at that place. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one, at last, is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves her father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. Now I want you to notice something very important here. God created man and every animal, and as far as we know, every animal's companion from the ground, but not Eve. Eve is the only land creature in the Bible that we're told was not made from the ground. She was made from Adam. Adam and Eve were not just made from the same clay who resembled each other. They were not just alike. They were one. Eve did not just complement Adam. Eve was not just like Adam. Eve was of Adam. You take that along with Genesis 1.27 which says, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And what you see is that Eve was not just another creature that God decided to make just to help Adam and make his life easier. You ever thought that? You ever know anybody that thinks that? That man thinks that wife is there just to help him and make his life easier? Eve was of equal value and dignity and worth as Adam. If you look at verse 27, I thought I had 27 here. Let's, uh, let me jump back to it. If you look at verse 27, it's going to cause me to lose my notes. All right, you know the verse. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female, Right? Your natural tendency is going to be to read that verse thinking that man here is just Adam. God created man in his own image, and you think God created Adam in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created Adam in the image of God, right? I mean, that's just naturally how you think. Well, then it makes that third part kind of confusing. He created them male and female. What do you mean he created them male and female? You were just talking about him, him, then they created them. So it's... It, doesn't, it, it kind of doesn't flow very well. It just kind of gets confusing, right? 
Well, the point here is, in English, we clarify these things. In English, we say, man, woman, and you know what the third one is? Human. You ever thought about that? Nobody's ever said it that way. You ever thought about it that way? We have man, woman, and human. Okay? That's our three different words to distinguish those groups. You have men, biological, women, biological, human, which is what we call mankind or humankind. Okay? So yeah, there it is, mankind. I mean, it's just this sense. In Hebrew, this is what we're looking at. It's not saying God created biological man in his own image. He created biological man in the image of God. God created human. God created mankind. God created man, just general, the type of creature. God created human, man. He created man, human, humankind, mankind, in his own image. Therefore, he created them, humankind, man and woman, biological male and biological female. He created them both. He created mankind, male and female. And what this means is this applies here. Man and woman were created in the image of God. They both have the same value. They both have the same dignity. They both have the same worth. It's, we're not saying that God is woman, and that's a whole other talk. And if, you, if you're interested in that, we can have that talk. I'm not saying man is woman because man has, God is woman because God didn't choose to reveal himself as woman in the scriptures. He just didn't. And also the scripture says that God, Jesus is the image of the invisible God who is spirit. So God is spirit. He's invisible. He doesn't have a body. The only person in the Trinity who has a body is Jesus who is a man. That's, let's not get into that. We want to stick with our sermon today. But the point here is God made it a point when he said that he made man human people in his image, he stuck in the fact both the male and the female. He went through great lengths to make sure that you got that. Hey, just in case you wanted to miss this, the male and the female are both made in my image. They're both my image bearers. Both bear my image to the world and to creation. They're both to represent me to the world. They're both to care and steward for the world the way I would. They both are to represent me. They both bear my image. That's what God went through such great lengths here to tell us. And that's something that is clearly Christian. Because you go back in time to all these other religious groups and you're not going to find this type of valuing of women. Old Testament, New Testament, they both raise up women to that equal standing. Now, we are different God did make men and women different from each other, but they are equal to each other. You look at Islam, you look at these other religious groups, you look at these other countries, you're not going to find this. And this is from the very first pages. This is not something just developed by Jesus and his followers. This is from the very first words of the very first scriptures of the Bible. God is saying, I made them both in my image. And there's no distinction later. Later he says that if anybody sheds uh, anyone's blood, if they kill somebody, that they are to die themselves, that their life is to be taken because, he gives a because, because people are made in my image. That's why. 
So if you killed a man, you were going to be killed. If you killed a woman, you were going to be killed. Because they both were made in the image of God. All right. Y'all got that first point? Men and women, equal value, equal worth, equal dignity. All right. Also, I just wanted to throw here, throw out here just a little interesting note. Do you know what the Hebrew word for Adam is? His name, Adam. You know what it says in Hebrew? Adam. <laughs> it's pronounced, they pronounce it different. It's Adam, Adam, but it's spelled Adam. We just say Adam, Adam, Adam. Do you know what the Hebrew word for man was? Adam, same word. So what tells you that we're talking about man or mankind or Adam, personal name? Context. It's all the same word. It's just context. How's it used? Man is ish. Woman is isha. Ish means man. Isha means of man. So in Hebrew, it was, you have a man and of man. This idea that they were of the same person just ran through that whole understanding. That man and of man are of the same. And so therefore, their dignity and value should be the same. Genesis 5, 1 through 4 says this, This is the document containing the family records of Adam. On the day that God created man, he created him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female. When they were created, he blessed them and called them mankind. This I had to put in here because in the Hebrew, this is what you saw. This is the document containing the family records of Adam. On the day that God created Adam... He made, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female. When they were created, he blessed them. Who's them? Male and female, right? He blessed them and called them Adam. So if there's any confusion left, I hope I cleared it all up. This word, the same word, Adam, which means man, which means mankind, is used over and over, and God is spelling out crystal clear. Why is he spelling it out so clear? Why does God make such a big focus in his scripture on certain things that he makes it crystal clear? Why would he do that? Because we're going to mess it, twist it. The more we're likely to twist God's words, the more he's likely to make sure he says it very clearly. You see that? Throughout human history, including throughout our Israelite, Hebrew, Jewish, Christian history, we have twisted this a lot. But God has spelled out crystal clear. Very, it's, it's really clear in Hebrew it's not as clear in English, but it doesn't matter because it's the same. We're just, we're just using English words to understand. But it's crystal clear. This is the document containing the family records of Adam. I'm just going to say Adam because that's how we say it in English. 
This is the document containing the family records of Adam. On the day that God created Adam, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. When they were created, he blessed them and called them Adam. Now, it doesn't make any sense in English. That's why it doesn't say that. But it's the same. It's man. It's mankind. It's just mankind. Man and woman are both made in the same image of God. So, I hope that's a crystal clear point. I hope I made it clear. And I hope it affects how we live and treat people. That men and women are to be treated the same. Adam was 130 years old when he fathered a son in his likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. Adam lived 800 years after he fathered Seth, and he fathered other sons and daughters. I'm not exactly sure why I included that verse in there, but they lived, they lived a long time back then. 930, Adam lived. All right, so back to my point. Man and woman are both made in the image of God. That's why God kept adding that line every time he talked about Adam being made in his image. You, you, you realize that? The two times that he talks about in these first chapters of Genesis that God talks about the fact that Adam was made in his image, both times he included, oh, and by the way, I made them both male and female. He stuck that in both times because he didn't want anybody getting this idea that man was made in the image of God, but somehow woman wasn't. That was Genesis one twenty seven, and then Genesis 5, 1 and 2. So that brings us to our next point, or our next topic, the fall. So God created everything. It was very good indeed, and then everything went wrong. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, This is Satan talking to the woman. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Now, is that what God really said? That she couldn't eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? No. Satan's approach has been from the very beginning to question, distort, and openly oppose God's word. To question, distort, and openly oppose God's word. The very first four words that were even that we even hear coming out of his mouth were did God really say? Those are the first four words recorded in Scripture about what Satan has spoke. The first four words we hear Satan speak in the scriptures. Did God really say? And he still uses that same line with us today. Did God really say? He twisted God's words with Adam and Eve. And then he outright opposed them when he told them that they would not die like God told them they would. It's important to note that when Satan tried to tempt Jesus, he again tried to distort God's word to do so. Matthew 4, 5, and 6. Then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So when Satan tried to tempt Jesus those three times, he tried again to use God's word. He quoted it. 
But he tried to distort it to mean it was going to mean something else. But unlike Adam and Eve, Jesus did not give in to Satan's temptations. Jesus correctly quoted what God really said. Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Three times Satan tested Jesus. And three times Jesus did not give in to those temptations. All three times he quoted scripture. All three times Jesus quoted scripture. Jesus showed us how to stand up against the temptations of Satan. How? By knowing what God really said. That's how. Because Satan's going to come at you and he's going to say, did God really say you can't do this? Didn't God really say that even if you did this, you're going to be forgiven anyway, so it doesn't really matter? Did God really say yada, 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 yada? And the way you're going to stand up to Satan every time is by knowing what God really said. And if you're going to do that, you have got to know and learn and study what God really said. The psalmist said, I have treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. The psalmist tells us, I have treasured your word in my heart. I have meditated on it. I have stored it. I have thought about it. I have worked through it. I have wrestled with it. I know it. I can recall it. I can tell you from memory what it says. So that I can stand up against temptations and not sin against my God. So that I may not sin against you. Jesus fulfilled the law where we have not. Sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and we have all fallen victim to it and need to be saved because we cannot save ourselves. Y'all know the verses. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. Quick side note. Just a quick side note. I wasn't around. But remember, was it... I, I don't even want to say because I'd just be so off. But hey, whatever. You've got to put your pride aside, right? What was the Scopes trial? Anybody familiar with the Scopes trial? That's the name coming to mind. Any, anyways, he, yeah. So, so the question. So, so you had the. I don't know who he was. Pastor, somebody, Christian, was on trial. Teacher. Okay. So the teacher was. I don't know any details of this trial, by the way. I will definitely be going home and looking it up next week. I will know all about the Scopes trial. But, in, but anyways, I just you hear bits and pieces and they come back. So, so. So he was asked, where did Cain get his wife? And he couldn't answer. The only reason I know this is because Ken Ham said it. I just remember this from what he said. He couldn't give an answer. Because, you know, Cain killed Abel, and he was banished from the land. He had to move east. And then it said in the very, like the next couple verses, it said that he 
married his wife, knew his wife, and had kids. And so the question was, where did his wife come from? And from that, a lot of people believe, people I've talked to, not a lot, I've only talked about this to one person, but but the one person I talked to, but a lot of people believe, I'm I'm just saying, a lot of people believe, and the one person I've talked to that believes this, believes that God didn't just create Adam and Eve, he also created other people and put them around the world. And that kind of helps answer a couple questions we don't really know. Like, where did Cain get his wife? And how did we get people all around the planet and across the ocean and all that stuff? And I'm telling you, you don't have to make up stuff to try to answer questions. God's Word is not afraid of your questions just the way it is. Here's what we do know. We do know in the New Testament the Scripture tells us that sin entered into the world through one man. And who was that? Adam. And death through sin. In this way, death spread to all people. Okay? So death and sin came through one person. We know that there was no death before Adam sinned. You got that? There was no death in the world before Adam sinned. This is how we know. We also know, and I didn't put it in here, Acts... I'll tell you next week. Anyways, it says that... um, that God placed all the different nations around the world where he wanted them to so that they would reach out and search for him. But it says that we are, in that passage it says, that we are all from one blood or one man. That all the nations of earth are from the one blood, the one man. Which tells us two important things. One, that he didn't create multiple men and put them around the earth because then the lineages would come from multiple men. Okay? It all comes from one man, Adam. Two, it tells us that we're all one race. Our differences in our skin color, our differences in our hair color and our eye color and, and, and the texture of our hair and all these different things are all programmed into the first Adam and Eve. And it was through variation through them coming down the line that we have the different races. Okay? We are all of the same blood, which means we're all of the same descendants. We're all of the same family. So you can categorize race all you want by saying, this is, I, I, I count these characteristics as a race, but you can't say that I'm separate from that race. You can't say that I'm in no way related to that race because we're all related. We all come from the same ancestors. So those are important. Look, y'all just getting all kinds of stuff. Acts seventeen twenty six. thank you. Yeah. Acts seven twenty twenty six says that. <clears throat> All right. First Corinthians fifteen twenty to twenty two says this. This is where we wrap it up. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. There's your hope of salvation. For in the same way that through Adam sin entered the world and and death through sin, because all of us have sinned as descendants of Adam, we've all sinned. We have an inc- the, the scripture says in Genesis, um, when chapter five, when. God and, I, and I'll probably just I'll just probably put this in my sermon next week. But but when God talks about Noah and flooding the earth, 
He said, even, I'll never again destroy the whole earth by, flo- by flood, even though the inclination of everyone's heart is evil from their youth. And so what that tells us from the very beginning is our hearts as humans, our hearts are inclined towards evil. It doesn't mean that they're hopelessly evil, but it does mean that we're hopeless in being saved on our own merit, our own goodness. Because all people's hearts are inclined towards evil. And that's something that you need to pray to God to help you to make sure that I don't fall prey because I know that my heart is inclined towards evil. Which is why the phrase, always follow your heart, is not a good phrase. Because your heart will get you in some big trouble and then your heart will flip on you and make you feel bad for being there. And you're like, I just followed you. You're the reason I'm here. Our hearts are inclined towards evil. But in the same way that death came to those who sin from Adam and all of, all of us from Adam on have sinned, in the same way Christ also was raised from the dead and his resurrection from the dead and his life and his, the fact that he's alive now gives us hope because he's offered that same resurrection and he's offered that same life to us. He's offered it to us as a free gift. Because he's gracious and he's merciful and he's loving. Anyone who would admit that they are sinful and need to be saved and will place their faith in Jesus to save them, the one who has already been saved, raised from the dead and is alive, if they would just place their faith in him for their salvation, he will save you. That is our hope of salvation. So, You always have to ask yourself, and I'll say it every week probably, but you always have to ask yourself, do I love God? Is it from my heart? Am I just trying to work my way into heaven, or do I have a real relationship with Him? Ask yourself, is my faith real? Do I love Him? Do I desire a relationship with Him? Because He absolutely desires a relationship with you and me. No question about it. He loves you. And there's nothing more important to make sure that you're sure about than the fact that you are in a relationship with God. And we're going to talk about salvation and suffering next week. We're going to spend a lot more time talking about salvation because of Noah's flood. But we'll be talking about that next week. But you just always have to ask yourself, examine yourselves to make sure that you're in the faith, the Scripture says. That's what it says. Examine yourselves to make sure that you're in the faith. And you're in the faith through a relationship. Do you know God? If you're not sure, then I would beg you to come make sure before this day's over. If you are sure, think about the people you know that aren't. And try to figure out if there's a way that you can help reassure them of their opportunity to embrace salvation. That God has an open hand just waiting, extending, offering. And that it's available to them as long as they're alive on this earth. Let's have our closing song. Well, I look forward to uh, going through the scriptures with y'all at a much faster pace than I'm going to be comfortable with. And, uh, but we're going we're to make it together. And uh, I, I pray that the word changes you. 
Um, and I know it's changing me, and I pray it will always change me the rest of my life. And so I pray that you get the word um, stored in your heart and stored in your mind and applied to your life in a way that just just makes you more and more and more resemble that image of Christ. That we are made into the image of God and that we have a desire to live our lives out for Him in such a way that everything we say, everything that we do, reflects Him to the world around us who so desperately need Him. And so I encourage y'all to, to try to be here as often as you can and uh, let's, let's dig into the Word together and study it together. And, and I guarantee you there will be things all along that we'll, we'll discover together and, and it will change us and affect who we are and how we live. Uh, Keith, would you close us in prayer? Well, <clears throat>